Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello, everyone. My name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here at Lighthouse. If you're joining us online, thanks for joining us today as well. Hey, I don't know about you guys, but I'm hungry. Anybody got like a cheeseburger I could have real quick? I mean... What you got? Mountain Dew? No, that's, that's like diet lemonade. I can't. That's not going to help me. Uh, anyway, hey, we have a new series coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm super excited about it. It's a series on the Holy Spirit. So how many of you want to go deep in the Holy Spirit for about four weeks? We're going to do that. It's, it's pretty exciting. In fact, this is the series I was planning on teaching when we got back from Guatemala and the coronavirus thing hit and they shut us down. And so for uh, uh, six months, I've had to kind of sit on this message series. Uh, I'm so excited that we're finally going to be able to launch that coming up uh, in two weeks. So make sure you come back in two weeks. Make sure you bring a friend. This is the kind of series that I think the world is interested in because we're going to be talking about the supernatural. And there are so many movies and TV shows about the supernatural. And this is a great series to bring a friend. Now, to make room for our friends, we are launching a video venue over in the uh, multi-purpose room on Sunday mornings. Right now, we have overflow, so we're just piping in everything that we have going on here over there, but we're actually going to turn it into a venue. We'll have a venue host. We're going to have live welcome, live worship, but it's going to be more of that acoustic feel, so it's going to be a laid-back, kind of a simplified worship experience. And then uh, we'll pipe in just the teaching time, and then we'll flip back over to uh, live ministry time and prayer at the end. Uh, But I'm excited about that because it opens up space for us to continue to grow. We can't take all the chairs that we have over there and and stack them in here like we used to, at least not yet. Um, I'm hoping that in the next six months, we'll be able to bring our chairs back into here. But for the most part, now, this morning during this service, we still have some empty chairs, but that hasn't been the case for the last several weeks. We've been full, even though it doesn't necessarily feel full. We just haven't had a lot of extra room. So this is going to allow us to continue to grow and invite our friends and neighbors to come. So two things on that. One is we need people to commit to attending that venue, I think we're calling it the beacon, uh, an acoustic experience. So if you're willing to commit to actually sitting over there during service, uh, first or second service, over the next four months, at least through the end of the year, we're asking you to sign up at the Welcome Center to let us know that. Um, Two things about that. One is it brings energy to that room because we're going to have some people leading worship by themselves or with maybe two people, kind of that acoustic thing. And it's not a lot of fun to lead worship to yourself or just one person, right? It's, it's a lot better if you have a few people that you're getting some feedback. So it adds energy to the service. But in doing that, it also frees up your seat in here for new, one, new people to come. So I would encourage you to prayerfully consider becoming a beaconette, you know? No, that's a terrible name. We won't call them beaconettes, all right? Uh, but attending the beacon on a regular basis over the next, at least through the end of the year, that would be really, really helpful. And if you are feeling called or willing to, to do that, we also have a new team over there. It's uh, the beacon usher team. 
And their job is simply to hand out programs and help people find a seat. And uh, if a baby becomes really restless, they go over and wrestle the parents down and that kind of thing. So we train you on how to do all of that. But uh, we, we need people to serve on that team. And there's a sign-up sheet for that also at the Welcome Experience. The Welcome Experience. I was looking at my notes, and that's what I got. The Welcome Center. There we go. Um, we are now moving into uh, the last week of our summer message series on the book of James. And it was called Life Hacks, Practical Advice from the Book of James. You can turn there. And um, I was, we're going to be in chapter five, by the way, the very end of chapter five. Every week we've been giving you a practical life hack. And so I had one I was going to try this week and uh, I tried it and it didn't work. It failed miserably. So I have nothing. So we have no life hacks this week for you at all. So Sorry. We're going to give you just some spiritual life hacks from James instead. Um, today's message, we're going to be starting in verse 13 and uh, going through the end of the chapter. And so the title of today's message is Life Hacks, the Value of Prayer and Confession, Prayer of Confession. So I'm going to pray and then we'll jump right into the scripture. So God, we come to you right now and we thank you for the book of James. We thank you for the impact that it's had on my uh, spiritual condition uh, for, for many years, Lord, but especially this past summer. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us again today through your word. Lord, speak to us, Lord. We, and Lord, give us ears to hear from you as well. And Lord, let my mouth be yours, Father. Just use me today. And Holy Spirit, have your way in this place, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to give you a couple of verses, we'll talk about them, and then I'll give you another one, and we'll just kind of work our way through the end of the chapter. So starting with verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. And we'll stop there for a second. Those first two verses speak to me about being real. Okay, just this idea of being transparent, transparent being real. Uh, it says, if you're in trouble, you should pray. If you're happy, sing songs. If you're sick, ask someone for help. You know, this idea that we should just be who we are, wherever we're at, each and every day. Now, unfortunately, the church happens to be one of those places that we still seem to lie about our condition, right? I mean, when you came to church today, someone probably said, hey, how you doing? And what'd you say? Good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm guessing not everybody's good and fine, right? But that's what we say. We've just been conditioned to not be real. My wife and I went to a restaurant this past week. We hadn't been there for a while, really looking forward to it. We got our food, we were eating it. We're like, man, this isn't very good. And Rose is like, no, mine's not very good either. We don't like the salsa, we don't like this, we don't like that. Like, man, we're not gonna, we're not gonna come back here again. You know, and then the, the waitress comes up and says, how is everything? We go, good, it's all good. <laughs> Rose even said, very good. I'm like, very good, very good. But it's what we do. We, we, don't, we don't want to offend anyone. We don't want to bother anyone. 
But the reality is we need to be real. We need to be who we are. And so here, at least at Lighthouse, if someone asks you how you're doing, let's consider it for a moment and say, ah, you know what? Today's been a rough day. You know, let's be honest with each other because if we're going to walk through the rest of this chapter, it starts with us being real, talking about where we're at. The verses go on to talk about how to handle it when we're sick. If someone's sick, well, they need to say, well, I'm not feeling good. And then secondly, we need to pray for them. It specifically says to go to the elders of the church, have them anoint you with oil and pray for them. So we have here, this is frankincense and myrrh, actually, oil of gladness, anointing oil. That's some special stuff, Hope. Did you get that? No. That's some, anyway, nothing special about this oil except we're being obedient to the word of God, which says, if someone's sick, have the elders of the church anoint them with oil and pray for them. So if you're sick, let us pray for you. We always keep this up here, actually, right in there. So if you want to know where it's at, um, come up, let someone pray for you and anoint you with oil. Now, does that mean that they will automatically be healed? My experience has been sometimes, sometimes. And there's a scripture that speaks to this. Now, not every time are they healed, but many times I've seen people be healed. 1 John 5.14 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. A key phrase there is according to his will. According to his will. There is sometimes that when we pray for someone, it is God's will that they would be supernaturally healed in that moment. There are other times that God wants to heal them through a physician or heal them through a nurse practitioner, or something like that, through medicine. Sometimes they're not healed at all. In the Vineyard Movement, we call this, we have a phrase for this, we call it already but not yet. Already but not yet. What that means is that the kingdom of heaven, Jesus proclaimed it, is already here. It is here. But at the same time, this isn't heaven. Right? Can I get an amen on that? You just read the news and you know this, this isn't heaven. So heaven has not come yet. So we live in this tension today where the kingdom of heaven is already here, but it's not yet fully here. So what does that mean? That means that sometimes when we pray for someone, they're healed supernaturally. I've seen that happen. I've had that happen to me before. And then there are times when you pray for someone and they're not healed. There's times when you pray, oh, I want that job, and you don't get that job. There's times when you pray for someone's marriage to be restored, and that marriage fails in the end. We live in that tension. But our prayers are answered, are answered by God. They're just sometimes no or not yet. One thing I do know is that 100%, this is on your handout, 100% of the prayers we don't pray are not answered. Can I get an amen on that? It's true, isn't it? So here's a question to ask yourself. 
If only one person out of 100 gets healed when I pray for them, is it still worth praying for the other 99? I think the answer is yes. Jesus told a parable about where he left the 99 to go after the one. Every single person is worth it in his eyes and should be for us too. So even if I pray for someone and I pray for another person, I pray for hundreds or maybe thousands of people and only one person gets prayed or gets healed, it's worth it for the one. It's worth it for the one. So that was your first life hack is that when someone is sick, it's time to pray every single time. And Tony, I apologize. You told me about a situation today and I didn't stop and pray for you even after I preached this first, first service. So can we do that real quick? I want to pray for Tony because I just, just remembered that uh, as I'm teaching you this morning. So God, I pray for Tony and his physical situation, Lord. Man, God, we pray for healing on his body, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray for healing for him, Father. Rose, would you go ahead? Can't open this thing. There we go. <laughs> oh, man, it's in there. Um, go ahead and anoint him while I keep, keep teaching. So, God, we pray for healing on Tony and on his body, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Let your will be done in his life, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, thank you for praying with me. So when someone is sick, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. Now, uh, in our next message series on the Holy Spirit, one of those weeks we're going to be talking specifically about healing, so you don't want to miss that either. Rose is actually going to be teaching that, so you don't want to miss that. All right, James chapter 5, verse 16. Let's read that verse. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So it's talking about healing again. And, and part of that, I think, is talking about physical healing. But I believe there's more to this. There's an emotional, relational, spiritual healing that is being discussed in this verse. And it says that we're supposed to confess our sins one to another so they can pray for us, not about physical healing, but about our sins. That's a new concept. Well, not really. This is called confession. Confession, it's been around for hundreds of years. So here's the definition of confession. A formal statement admitting that one is guilty of a crime. That's kind of the legal definition. And then we have the religious definition, a formal admission of one's sins with repentance and desire of absolution, especially privately to a priest as a religious duty. So I don't always agree with everything that the Catholic Church uh, teaches or does, but there is one thing that I think that they have over the evangelical church, and that is this concept of confession. Now, I don't think that you need to confess to a priest, but confessing your sins to another person has incredible value, incredible value. But we in the evangelical church today, we say, ah, oh, that's a Catholic thing. We don't do that. We just confess our sins to God. Well, the scripture says, confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. This is something that we are supposed to do today. Secret sins are destroying the church. 
Secret sins are destroying the church today. Now, maybe it's always been this easy, you know, in the hundreds of years, generations past to sin, but today, I mean, you can get into all kinds of sinful activities without ever leaving your house. It's crazy. I read a recent article that stated Facebook is the number one place that affairs are starting today. Starts with a secret message conversation that happens, turns into an online affair, and eventually ends up being an in-person affair. And we all know about pornography. Pornography is killing this generation, men and women. It's all done in secret. And you know, technology is helping us to sin in secret. Not only are they connecting us through the internet to all these questionable sites, you can now erase all of your web browsing history. And if that looks questionable because you've erased it all, you can actually now erase just sections. Like over the last hour, I've been doing some things I shouldn't be doing, so I'm going to just erase that so that nobody knows about it. Secret sins. You've probably heard of the app Snapchat. You know, Snapchat was created so that you can send a video to someone else and it automatically, you know, destroys itself and nobody knows about it. It's a secret. And you can imagine the kinds of sins that are happening in those secret videos. And not just sexual sins. A friend of mine has a family member who's who has this addiction to alcohol, you know, um, every night basically drinks themselves to sleep and nobody knows it at their place of work. Not one person knows about it. It's a secret. It's a secret. So the reality, secret sins, they keep us in bondage. They keep us from experiencing all that God has for us. And there is a solution to it. It's called confession. Confession. Now, we should confess as we're convicted of our sins. We should confess to God and repent. But when we are stuck in a sin and we keep confessing the same sin over and over to God, that's when we need to confess it to another person and have that person pray for us. That's, that's accountability. And we need to be willing to do that. But I don't know about you. I don't want to do that. Right? I want people to have a good image of me and to think that I don't sin. I sin. Just so you all know, as your pastor, I still sin. But there are three things, I was thinking this week, three things that keep me from confession. The first one is shame. We feel ashamed of what we do. There's also that self-condemnation and, of course, pride. None of these are good reasons to not confess, and to receive the healing that we need. Psalms 25.3 says, No one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. And as Scripture says in Romans 10.11, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. In Christ, there is no shame. There is no shame. And as far as self-condemnations, Romans 8.1 says, Therefore, there is now No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Christ, there is no shame. There is no condemnation. Only freedom. But how about pride? And we don't want people to know. That's pride. That's what keeps us 
from confessing many times is we don't want anyone to know that we're not perfect. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud. And when we confess, man, that brings humility. That brings favor from God. That brings freedom. That brings healing. So guys, don't let shame or self-condemnation or pride keep you from receiving the healing that God wants for you. Again, it's about being real. It's about being transparent with each other. So your life hack is confession is good for the soul. Confession is good for the soul, which we all know that. I think we need to practice it a little bit more. There's different ways to do that. I I have an accountability partner, Matt LaFree. We meet, we talk about these kinds of things. He's there for me, I'm there for him. We also have a prayer team. Every Sunday after service, they're willing to pray with you. If you just got to get something off your chest, you can certainly do that with a prayer team. They value confidentiality. They're not going to go sharing that around. And they'll pray for you. And also, you can pull aside any of our staff uh, here at the church, and you can talk to them. I have, over the years, had dozens of people come to me and confess their deepest, darkest secret that has been eating them up. I can just remember one situation. It was eating him up for dozens of years. And through confession, he brought it out into light, and we brought there was healing that took place. It was really, really good. Really good. I want to read this scripture. Going back to Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 13. It says, for you were once in darkness, I'm sorry, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes light. Our secret sins are in the darkness. They're hidden. And when we expose them, man, it brings, them, it brings light into them and it turns our life back to light. It's where we find freedom. So this person who shared with me a secret sin from dozens of years ago found freedom in that moment. I mean, in that moment. And the reality is I've, I've heard those before. So he was shocked that I was like, you don't hate me? I'm like, no, I've been there. I understand it. Heard that before. All right. So confession is good for the soul. I'm going to read the next two verses. Verse 17. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. The part of those two verses that speak to me, Elijah was a prophet in the Old Testament, was the fact that they're starting out by just saying, Elijah was a human being. Elijah wasn't anything special. He was just a person like you and me. 
And yet when he prayed, something happened in the heavenlies. That's true also of Jesus. Jesus was both God and man, but when he was here on earth, he came as man. And when he prayed as man, people were healed. Miracles happened. Same thing happened with Peter and Paul and many of the disciples. Here's the point. They were just humans like us, but they prayed. They prayed and things happened. Prayer is something that we need to do. When we pray for one another, they're healed. When we pray for something to happen, it, God is listening to us. And we need to be people of prayer. This is my, one of my favorite quotes about prayer. It was from Charles Spurgeon. It says, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. We need to pray more. I need to pray more. We as a church just need to pray more. I think when we get to heaven, there's going to be some things that we'll look back on and say, man, I wish I would have not done so much of that. I wish I would have done more of that. But I do think when we look back at our lives from heaven's vantage point and we see the power of prayer, we're going to wish we would have prayed more. I really do think that. I think every one of us will look back and go, man, I didn't know my prayers were making that much difference. I should have prayed more. I should have prayed longer. I should have prayed for more things. Here at Lighthouse, every Tuesday night, we open up the church building for prayer. So from six to eight, we open up the auditorium here for just private time of prayer. You can come in here. We'll have some music playing and you can just pray you and God, one-on-one. -on -one. But we also at 6.30 start out in the atrium and we just, we intercede, we pray together. So if you want to pray alone, you come in here. If you want to pray with other people, we pray for the church, we pray for our community, we pray for people in the church. Uh, we do that out there in the atrium starting at 6.30. You are welcome to join us every Tuesday. Just come by after six and you can join us in a time of prayer. But we need to be people of prayer. More and more and more. Life hack number three, our prayers make a difference. And as I was putting this message together, I felt like God was impressing on someone here, maybe someone who's watching online, that your prayers are making a difference. Continue to pray. It may not look like it. You may not see it. But God is moving on our behalf, even when we don't see it. So continue to pray. Scripture says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest. We may not see that harvest, even in our lifetime, but man, it is worth continuing to pray. Just this week, I had a prayer that I've been praying for over 20 years. It was answered. Beginnings of that answer happened this week. And I'm as surprised as you guys are. I was just like, what? Really? How cool is that? God continues to answer our prayers. So let's continue to pray. Let's be a people of prayer. They do make a difference. I want to finish up with the last two verses. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death 
and cover over a multitude of sins. So these last two verses are really talking about our approach when somebody falls away from following Christ. They fall into sin. And so many times, the Christian church does not handle this very well. I I read an article recently where the author stated that the only army that shoots its wounded is the Christian army. Isn't that the case? I mean, you hear about a public Christian figure falling, and man, everybody starts shooting the arrows at him. This week, if you've been following the news, uh, you might have come across all the articles about Jerry Falwell Jr. He was the president of Liberty University, a Christian university on the East Coast. And uh, some questionable photographs came out, and then there's some type of a, a sex scandal involving his wife, and so he's resigned. But man, everybody is just attacking him just attacking him. It seems like the crowd is crying out, crucify, much more so than let's pray for the Falwell family. And you guys probably have heard that Justin Bieber gave his life to Jesus. He's trying to follow Christ. But man, if he does a song with a swear word or does some questionable action, there are many people are saying, I knew he wasn't a Christian. It wasn't real. It was just a show. Or Kanye... You know, Kanye's professed to be a follower of Christ, and he's fallen into some mental health issues and maybe even some marriage issues. And, you know, the cry is not, let's pray for Kanye. The cry is, that that phase, that Christian phase, I knew it wouldn't last. That's not the approach God wants from us. When we see our brothers and sisters in Christ falling into sin, our job is not to judge. Our job is to restore them, to go to them. It actually says to go to them. How's the scripture say it? Someone should bring that person back. See, that implies to me that we go to them to help them and bring them back. And it starts with love. You know, if you're going to share truth to a person, you can't just start with truth. <laughs> Can I get an amen on that? I've had people just share truth with me with no love. It doesn't go over very well. I don't know about you all, but that doesn't go over very well with me. But you start by loving the individual who's fallen away and just, hey, I just want to love on you. Tell you that God loves you. And if you get a foundation of truth, I mean, sorry, a foundation of love, then maybe you'll be able to have a platform to talk about truth with them. But that needs to be our approach. Because here's a question. How many of you here have never sinned? I'm not raising my hand either. And so when we fall into sin, what do we want? We don't want judgment. We want mercy. We want grace. And I will tell you, in my experience as a pastor, I've done it both ways. There's been times I've led with love, and there's been times I've led with truth. And I will tell you, there's a lot more fruit when you lead with love a lot more fruit. So here's our last life hack. Our mission is not to condemn the sinner, but to rescue them. But to rescue them. Boy, man, let's do that today. Let's do that today. All right, I'm going to invite Rose to come up here and lead us in a time of prayer.
So this morning, we're going to offer two different opportunities for prayer. The first one is um, if you just need a safe place to confess something, an area in your life that needs to be said verbally to someone. Our prayer team is committed to confidentiality and to be a safe place. So if you need to do that this morning, there's that opportunity. And the second opportunity is, do you need healing? Whether it's physical healing, a relationship that needs to be restored, healing of any kind, we want to offer that opportunity as well. So after I'm done praying, you can come up to the first or second row and a prayer person will approach you and pray with you for one of those opportunities, whether it's confession or any type of healing. We would love to pray with you. Okay, so why don't you stand with me and we'll close in prayer. God, I thank you for your goodness. I thankful, thank you for your faithfulness to us. And Lord, we acknowledge that you see sin as sin, and we are the ones that have categorized it, not you. We are the ones that have made one sin greater than another, or one less than another. But Lord, to you, sin is sin so Lord we pray against shame we pray against self-condemnation we pray against pride God I pray for courage and boldness for each one in this room Lord if there's confession that needs to happen Lord I pray that they would have courage to do that to step forward God I thank you for loving us and God, I pray a blessing over each person in this room and everyone online watching. God, I pray that you bless them and give them favor, Lord. And God, I pray that they would experience you this week as they interact with other people and interact with you, Lord. God, I pray that they would experience you. So Lord, bless everyone in this room. In Jesus' name. Thanks for coming out. And if you would like prayer for anything, whether it's healing or confession or anything, feel free to come up to the, the first or second row here and someone will pray with you. Have a good week. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.